0: pattern. And, and most of you, I guarantee you, myself included, can get a personal testimony to times when you have fallen back to your own distress problem, to your own frustration, your own confusion perhaps, where you have experienced a time where you've fallen back into an old, sinful pattern that's even self-defeating. This is, this is what we're talking about. It, moving backwards instead of forward in our relationship with God and our desire to really fulfill His us. Jesus talked about this. This is not a made up a concept. He, even in the Lord's Prayer, which is probably the most basic of all prayers that Jesus taught us to pray and that we are familiar with as Christians, and by the way, it is not a prescriptive prayer, it says in Matthew 6 that Jesus taught us how to pray not meant to be just a, a mere recitation of this exact prayer, but he's laying out principles of prayer for us to pray. But one of the things that he teaches us in Matthew chapter 6 is this, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the very chapter after we just focused on the Beatitudes. Our Jesus is laying out these principles for us and he's teaching us to pray, God, help me not to fall backwards. Help me not to turn away from you. Help me not to move backwards into sin, the self-defeating patterns of life. God, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. God, be my guard, be my help, be my strength that every day I can keep moving toward you in the life that you've called me to live. Does that make sense? There's a proverb that is quite interesting. I'll go ahead and share it with you. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 11. Like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his fall. Y'all heard the phrase, right? Dog returns to the vomit. Actually, the Bible. The Bible is relevant. Not just because it talks about dogs at all. Like a dog returning to their bum is like a fool who repeats his god does not want us to continue in the same sinful self-defeating patterns of behavior that define the old creation that john caleb read about this morning from second corinthians 5. he wants us to continue to maintain momentum as we walk into the new creation that he has created us to be so we've got to talk about the possibility and the ever-present temptation and danger of relapse, the alcoholic starting to drink again, or the anxious person moving back into a place of paralyzation of fear, or the one who overeats to regain the weight, or the sexual addict beginning to sleep around again, or find himself in the porn sites late at night, or the angry person who got his delivered getting back to a place where they're lashing out at their friends, or at their wife or a husband or family again, or a workaholic who's been delivered but then gets back into a place where they begin to fill their schedule again, or the emotionally dependent ending up in an unhealthy relationship again. This is the practicality of the reality of what we're talking about this morning, relapse. And I don't know this is kind of a relevant conversation, would you agree? How do we continue to fight the good fight of faith and maintain the momentum that God has called us to? Well, the first thing I want to do this morning is look at the pattern of relapse as it presents itself. And then we're going to get into some constructive and very practical things for everyday life. But it is important to understand that relapses happen in a pretty predictable pattern. Step one, or phase one, we'll call them, no, there's four phases. Phase one, we find complacency. Often relapses begin in a, in a phase of complacency where we get comfortable with short-term gains. We stop praying, we stop seeking God about it, we stop working on it.
1: Our pain has been reduced. It's not been eliminated, but because it's been reduced, we,
0: we don't work on it and deal with it anymore. We don't feel as desperate about it as we once did. So we don't think we need to work the principles that Jesus has laid out for us anymore. We think that it's something of the
1: past rather than our ongoing need of the present and complacency begins
0: a dangerous pattern to a relapse. Phase two is this, confusion. When we begin to rationalize our old patterns, we call this confusion. Maybe it wasn't really so bad after all. Or maybe the trouble wasn't really as bad as, uh, you know, I can handle it myself. We, we forget how bad our sin is. The reality of the consequences of sin, what the, the, the ripple effects of sin are in our lives and in other selves. We, we become confused, we distort the reality, and somehow we subvert the truth that God has laid off for us. We suppress it like sweep it under a rug like Romans 1 describes. In phase three of relapse, often we'll get to a place not only where we're complacent and confused, but in phase three we get to a place where we begin to compromise. This is exactly what David had uh, against him, as he should have guarded himself and not gone to the roof as he was in a position to see other women without their clothes on. This is not a good place for a guy to be if you're struggling with sexual temptation. But in a place of compromise, what ends up happening is we return to the risky situations that are the very place where temptation is most likely to catch us. Or we are most likely to fall into evil. We return to the risky place, whether it's the bar or to the mall or to the pornography site or whatever it is, we go back to the unsafe place. It's almost like you can picture like a a gambler who's struggling with addictive gambling issues going to Vegas and just saying, well, I'm just going to be there to see the shows. Really, don't think that's probably a good idea because when we place ourselves in risky situations, we're more likely to make poor, sinful choices. We begin with the little things that eventually will not be long before it's all unraveled and the game. The crowd the game can be lost. Phase four is really what we describe as a collapse. So we move from complacency, to confusion, to compromise, and then we get to the place that most of us would probably just outright describe as the place of relapse. But this is actually when we give in to the, to the habit, to the, to the sin, to the old hurt and hang-up. The hate comes back, the resentment returns, and we fall back into the same pattern of behavior. Now, I do want to help you to see that the collapse is not the relapse. The relapse happens all the way back at complacency. That's when it starts, okay? The relapse starts with phase one, and many of us think we are in trouble only at phase four, but what I'm trying to raise your guard for and help you understand is that we've got to do this work to fight this fight of faith from phase one, two, three, and four. As we pray that prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. What are we doing to position ourselves to be guarded against temptation? Watch and pray, Jesus says, that you may not fall into
1: the collapse is simply the end result, the acting out phase. So,
0: these are the phases. Now, what are their causes? What are often the causes? So, I'm going to walk through a few of these, then we're going to get even more practical and constructive. There are four things that often will cause us to end up in this place of relapse. I want to walk through some scriptures. I'm teaching topically, just so you know, most of you. Are familiar with our church vacation or not, usually I walk through books of the Bible here. I'm teaching very, very topically in this series for the purpose of allowing us to see a comprehensive view of some of these really specific topics across all the scripture. So I, I promise that we're teaching faithfully, but the reason we're jumping around is because it's, it's hard to go to one single place and get a comprehensive view of all that we need for this particular topic. So, there's four reasons, or excuse me, four causes of relapse that we can identify. Number one, and this is huge, the Bible warned us about this all the time. Number one, we revert to our own willpower. In our struggle against sin, we will also revert to our own willpower. Paul says to the church of Galatia, Galatians chapter three, see, they, they were living in a very legalistic way. And he says to them, are you so foolish? having the begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? It's a question. In other words, in the way that you began, you relied totally and completely on God. The way of salvation is is despairing of yourself and casting all of your hope on Jesus Christ because you know and recognize that because you're in sin, there's nothing you can do to be saved. Only God can save you. And you have to look away from yourself and say, God, I desperately need you. Without you, nothing, nothing is possible. That's the way of salvation, is it not? Now, having begun in that way, do you think that in your daily struggle today, your desire to grow in intimacy with God and your desire to avoid sin, do you think today is that the way of that is going to be any different, it's going to look any different? Do you think that God just saves you miraculously at the beginning of your walk with Christ and then you've got to pick up the pieces and figure it out and your are going power along the way after that? No way, Paul says. The way that we continue with God is the way that we start with God with a daily dependence and surrender all of our will to Him. Does that make sense? Amen like I'm talking to an empty group. Y'all with me? Amen. Okay, good. I just needed a few head nods. <laughs> I'm straining my voice for you. Just want to, can you hear me? <laughs> can you take me seriously? That's the big question. Lord, please help. We've talked through all these choices. In choice one, they're going to go up on the screen as I talk about them. Don't write them down. I'm just reminding you. But think about this journey that we've been on so far through the Beatitudes. We started in choice one with the admission that we are powerless to change on our own. In choice two, we agreed that only God has the power to help us change. In choice three, we made a commitment to turn all of our life and will over to Christ's care and control. In choice four, we thoroughly examined ourselves, opening ourselves up. Honestly to God and others, confessing our faults and need for help. In choice five, we voluntarily submitted to the changes that God wants to make in our lives. And last week, Rob taught so well and faithfully, we looked at how we had to focus on our relationships, forgiving others as God and Christ has forgiven us. Now, in all of these things, all of the direction of this is submitting and trusting and committing our way to God. We said, I'm
1: giving it all
0: to God. All of you, and all of you means all of me. Take everything. That's what we just sang. Take everything.
1: But now, if we're not careful,
0: after we begin to experience redemption in Jesus and victories in Jesus, if we're not careful, we start to think to ourselves, oh,
1: So much to get this
0: far it's, its my power. We have a few successes, and we suddenly think that we're all powerful and all knowing, and can handle everything on our own. We revert to our own willpower, but the problem is that didn't work in the first place. And let me tell you—in your daily fight against whatever struggle you're facing today, or tonight, or tomorrow—your power is not going to cut it then either. The way start is the way that you continue, which is despair of yourself and total dependency upon God. Amen? Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6. He says this and then I'll go to the second clause. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might or by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord in this. Not by
1: your efforts,
0: not by your power, but by what? By the Spirit of God. Here's what that means. On a daily basis in your fight, let me tell you where some of your trouble comes from. It could come from you fighting with your own willpower instead of relying on the Spirit and dwelling power of Jesus Christ. And the way that we start, we must continue. The second cause of redox is, is identified as this. We ignore one of the, the principles or the choices. Not only do we end up relying on our own willpower, but we end up ignoring some of these basic truths. One of the difficulties. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, um, we talked about last week, like maybe making amends. That, that's, just tough. that's just hard. You know, I've got to forgive people. I've got to go seek forgiveness from the people that I've hurt. Like, that, that I mean, we just rationalize that one away. And we'll, we'll just say, oh, well, maybe do a thought later, etc. Maybe partial healing. <clears throat> partial recovery will be enough. Like Samuel, I got big trouble. Maybe, maybe just partial obedience. Maybe that's, maybe that's good. But the reality is... We have to follow through with
1: all of God's word and all of God's will. We have to
0: make the choices that God
1: wants us to make or else it just doesn't work. There's no quick fix. We have to walk in faithfulness day by day
0: by day. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 7, Paul says to the church of Galatia, you were running along. Who hindered you? Obey okay, the truth. In other words, you, you were moving in such the right direction toward Jesus. What happened? In other words, wh- wh- where did it break down? Where did you stop being faithful and thorough with your obedience? Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 4 to 7. No soldier gets entangled in the civilian's pursuits, because his aim is to please the one who enlisted them. An athlete is not proud unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Speak over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything." In other words, a single-minded aim, not getting entangled being faithful and diligent to what God has laid before you, working hard at it day by day. He says in chapter four, or just two chapters after this, train yourselves for godliness. The word in Greek is the word where we get the word gym from. In other words, work at this. Don't tire of working at moving in the direction that God has called you to move. The third call is that often we we'll need to relapse is that we try to recover without support. Since the very first principle, we've been talking about the importance of having someone to share with. Having someone to walk with us and hold us accountable. But often what we'll do is, as we find victory, we begin to think that we need that less and less. I'll just get along by myself. I don't really need somebody else's help. It's just me and God. Many of us in the church, this is part of why as,
1: as a pastor, if, if you're only coming on Sunday, I just urge you to, to, to take the next step into community.
0: Because we believe that really transformation happens in the context of relationships where we're authentic with one another and pursuing God together. Some of us just think, well, I'll just listen to the sermons, or I'll just read the books. Or, just stop. it doesn't work. You might find temporary gain that way, we're not going to find long-term recovery apart from community. We looked at a passage earlier from Ecclesiastes that says two are better than one because they have a good word for their toil, for if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but of him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him. God's desire and desire for us is to live in community with one another such that when we are struggling others know us let me me just ask you a question do people know you do people know your struggles does anybody so you've got god wants you you gotta open up your hearts to to other christians you gotta let them in you gotta be honest with others how can I pray
1: for you, encourage you with his word, support you, love you, take care of you? This is what God tells
0: us. We can't do it alone. Hebrews chapter 20, 10, verse 25 says, let us not neglect to meet together as in a habit of stop, but encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing there. Yes, we can think about this in the context of some days, let's not neglect to to meet together, but you see that encourage one another. these one another passage all over the scripture, and one another things happen in the context of real relationships, not sitting in rows, but sitting in circles, where you've got people in your life who you're doing the one another stuff with, and this is huge, and if you try to isolate yourself, like I said, I, I really believe that you're setting yourself up for for potential for relapse. Number four, the fourth cause, and then we'll move on to our our kind of forward looking solutions. We become prideful. It's just a reality. We become prideful. Pride is at the root of sin. Self centeredness. Instead of God centeredness. We can get overconfident. Thinking I'm stronger, I've got it, but be careful. Proverbs chapter sixteen verse eighteen says this: Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before falling. Somebody said it like this: You need to stay humble, or you'll stumble. That's kind of goofy, but it's true. God gets us in all kinds of trouble and sets us up for a fall, blinds us to our weakness, keeps us from seeking help, prevents us from doing the things that we need to do, and keeps us from seeing the truth that just blinds us. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed, lest he In other words, we've got to kind of get used to the fact that, and I don't know why, i struggle with this myself, we'd we like to, to, to move on from being needy, don't we? And friends, and, and as we live with Christ, we cannot ever move on from being needy. We can't ever move on from being totally humble and desperate for Jesus, because I hope and our daily walk with the Lord is not that we are ever going to be good enough. We will not be. It is that He is good enough with us. That, that He is working by His grace in our lives through, through the humility that we have toward Him. None of us. Again, yeah, we are working hard in the process of recovery but let me just ask you, have you reached Christ's likeness yet? I don't think so. We can pray, maybe. And we are, by the Spirit of God, I believe, becoming more like Jesus as we move in greater intimacy with Him and relationship with Him, but none of us are Jesus or fully like Jesus. Thus, we have to continue in humility. Let me tell you the secret of long-lasting healing and recovery and blessing in your relationship with God. It's humility. humility. Humble yourselves before the Lord, the Word says, and He will lift you up. Humility is the best protection for our lives. Daily humility, because your greatest weakness is often an unguarded strength. Let me say that again. Your greatest weakness is often an unguarded strength. Watch out. Be careful. Take heed let understands. take heat, stay humble, lest you fall. So, the big question, and we're gonna land a the plane, and then we've got a testimony that's gonna be greatly encouraging for this one. The big question for you then, and for us, is this. How do we then prevent a relapse? In other words, how do we maintain the momentum? And this is where we get to choice seven. I presented the choice at the end today, because I think Just the order of it helps you to understand why this choice is so important. So please write this down with nothing else. This is the key of choice seven. To reserve a daily time with God for self-examination, for Bible reading, and for prayer. In order to know God and His will for our life and to gain the power to follow His will. I'll say it again. God calls us to maintain momentum in this way, reserving daily time with God for self-examination, Bible reading, and prayer, in order to know God and His will for my life, and in order to find the power to live in it. This is huge. If you're not here, some of you are going to think this morning, this, this is so simple. He's basically saying, I have a quiet time. Yes, I am. And if we, it's just so simple, why do, we, why do we struggle with it so much? This is our lifeblood. But many of us neglect this lifeblood. We know it, but do we do it. And, and, and even if we do it, are we doing it with sincerity to where we're, we're really experiencing what God wants for us in this principle? Walking and stuff with God, an in intimacy with God day by day by day. This is, this is what He has designed as our strength. This is what Jesus is saying. When he teaches us to pray, lead us not into temptation. And also in Mark chapter 14, I quoted it earlier, but in Mark chapter 14, verse 18, he says to his disciples, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is watch and thrill. But there's a couple of habits I just want to encourage you towards before we move to our testimony. Habit number one in this, I'm just breaking down the principle. Habit number one is that piece of evaluation. Evaluation. The Bible makes it clear that we are to evaluate ourselves. Second Corinthians chapter 13 verse 5 says this. Examine yourselves to see whether or not you're in the faith. Test yourselves. In other words, do the work of evaluation, let your heart be known to yourself, be honest with God, yourself, and others, we looked at this, but it continues, Lamentations chapter 3, verse 40 it tells us, let us test and examine our ways so that we might return to the Lord. And if, we've already covered this a few weeks ago, Psalm chapter 139, the very last verses, Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So, in evaluation, the habit of evaluation, we're talking about ongoing inventories where we're evaluating ourselves and our process. Now, what do we evaluate? There's a couple of things we can describe. I'll, I'll, I'll list four of them physical, emotional, relational, and spiritual. With our physical, what is my body telling me? You got tense muscles? Guess what? You're probably under stress or headache or bad pain sometimes. When you wake up, our, our body is often a barometer. Secondly, emotionally, what am I feeling? This is hard for some of us. We, we push our feelings down and we live in our minds and we live in just busyness, but what am I really feeling? If you push your feelings down too long, it's like shaking up a Coke bottle and not taking it if you're going to blow eventually okay? you've got to deal with this on an ongoing basis relational am I at peace with everyone if you're not that conflict is going to hold you back Jesus says take care of that before you come to the altar you know when you're having conflict with somebody and it's up to you and like we talked about last week to do the work of resolving the conflict to forgive as God and Christ has forgiven forgiven us. So when you allow conflict to remain un- unresolved, you're allowing people to live rent-free in your mind. People who lived far away, who did something a long time ago, but you still think about it. And they end up preoccupying your attention and your energy, and soon this ends up in a major resentment, and it's going to end up controlling you. So you ask, am I at peace with everyone? And the fourth, am I relying on God? Moment by moment, am I relying on God. Many of us do not take the time to spend in the presence of God. The invitation, all you are weary and late now, we'll give you rest, but yet we busy ourselves so much, we disconnect ourselves. Busyness is it's just overtaking us. When, when do we spend alone time, quiet time in the presence of God to really seek Him, hunger for Him, allow Him to fill us, and speak to us by His word? So we evaluate it. We evaluate. We do this, Galatians chapter 6, verse 4, because it says, Let like, each one test his own work, and then his reason to be in boast will be in himself alone and not his neighbor. In other words, we've got to do this to make sure we are in a good place with the Lord. We've got to be honest about our failures, and honest about our successes. This is so, so important. Now, when do we do it? Y'all ever clean your house? So don't raise your don't. Some of us we clean in different ways, don't we? I am a knee freak. I will take away your cup before you are finished with it for the dishwasher. Anybody else got anybody like that? Or maybe you're like that maybe you are person. Constantly, like I like carry around a broom in my hand and it dust cloth together. I'm just like, woo! before I leave for the day, the house has got to be just certain, right? Some of us are more like the day than the day. The next day, some of us are only like the seasonal players. <laughs> like once a season, we, we work on them. You can think about the daily work of, of, of confession and, and repentance and pursuing Jesus with just receiving his grace and forgiveness and pursuing greater intimacy with them kind of in the same way as you think about your house faith. There is really a spot check, kind our of cleaning at the top where as we live day by day, uh, moment by moment, or we're dealing with things, or we're not letting a uh, sin stop We're keeping short accounts with God. This is the kind of evaluation. When the Holy Spirit convicts you something, you don't just suppress it and think, well, I'll deal with it later. You take time right then and deal with it. If you've done wrong or you sin against the Lord, right then and there you ask forgiveness, you repent, and you seek His forgiving grace, His, His cleansing work in your heart and life it's like taking out the garbage every day and sometimes you have to take it out more than once because it really stinks right we had zaxby's and ours last night it really stuck you take that junk out don't let it pile off this is what i'm talking about but often you, you definitely need to do a daily evaluation as your day lies down to find a quiet spot review your day confess your failures, celebrate your victories get your journal out make a, a list talk to the lord seeking so him out And definitely You need times where, on a seasonal basis or at minimum, an annual basis, you're doing a thorough review, that moral inventory that we talked about. Where you're really taking time, kind of like a spring cleaning, to to go through your relationships and your priorities and your attitude and your integrity and your mind and your body and your work and your family and your church and your relationship with God. And you're really working, desiring so much to move in greater intimacy with God. So much to, to continue forward progress to grow and joy and likeness The Second habit, I would encourage you towards meditation. Meditation. Psalm chapter one. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight. Is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit and in season, and its leaf does not. Ever. Do you hear the Lord calling? You? into the place where your roots go deep down into his presence, into his person, into his promise, and you are just living that abiding life with Jesus that we talked about from John chapter 15. There's some blessings that are obvious in this Psalm: Fruit without fail. Well-being. Success. If we hold God's word deep in our hearts and meditate on it, If we spend that precious time alone with God, we can be sure that God will bear fruit in our lives. He will work in transformative and healing ways. We can remain strong, healthy, tall. We can find success. We're not talking about material, financial prosperity. We're talking about prosperity of life succeeding in the things that God wants for us in our life. How do we do this? It
1: just looks like being just on a daily basis. Ephesians chapter five, it's
0: a passage I go to often where it says don't be drunk with wine. Don't don't try to fill yourselves up with the things of this world. Many of us don't find this kind of intimacy and satisfaction. I'm not just talking about quiet time. I've got to go do my quiet time. Sorry, don't bother me. I have to do my quiet time.
1: What a bore! That is
0: miserable. When we talk about quiet times, we're not talking about a boring, frustrating, obligatory discipline that we have to hold to in our lives. We're talking about setting aside the best part of the day—the time that we get to meet with the living God and enjoy His presence, where we say, "God." longing for so much but I'm not, I know there's nothing in this world I can't drink enough drinks, I can't have sex enough I can't have pleasures enough, money enough success enough, there's nothing in this world that will satisfy my heart my heart is made for you so God Joyful, happy time with God, singing in your heart, giving thanks to God the Father for everything. Giving thanks and everything through Jesus Christ. Amen? This is what? This is the goodness of Christian life. Like, this is the sweet spot of Christian life. When you recognize the opportunity to meet the living God and have him satisfy your soul on a daily basis. This is good, 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 good stuff, okay? I got it close. The last habit we'll talk about is prayer. Spending time with God in intimacy, always with His word.
1: Okay?
0: You cannot separate time with God and time with His word, they go together. It's how God speaks. Third prayer, prayer. We don't separate this either, but I categorize just Help me understand that it's like spiritual breathing for us. New, the, the, the Hebrew. I don't want to get too geeky on you, but it literally is the same word for breath. It's prayer is it? that intimate spiritual breathing, ongoing communion with God, where our souls are communing with with His Spirit, our Spirit with His Spirit, and we're constantly saying, "God, I know that I can't, but I got." you can. I'm feasting on your promises. I'm enjoying you and your presence and I'm seeking your help at all times and all ways. I'm abiding in you because I know apart from you I can do nothing. Jesus says watch and pray. Watch and pray. Watch and pray so that you do not enter into temptation. How do you avoid temptation? We pray. We live in this ongoing fluid life-giving relationship with God where prayer is our very spiritual breath. Amen? We pray that like Jesus taught us our Father in heaven hallowed be your, your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we Forgive our debtors and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Watch and pray. Maintain momentum. Y'all got it? How do we do it? Let's put it back up. Then I'll call Bob and Allie. Y'all come on. Reserve a daily time with God for self examination, for Bible reading and prayer in order to know God and His will for my life and gain the power to do it. I just want to encourage you, okay? I'll say this. I just want to encourage you that this work of redemption that we've been talking about in this series is an ongoing work in our lives. And there is a daily rhythm that we are called to live in. I've asked Bobby and Allie to come and share this morning. Uh, so that you can hear in a practical way uh, from somebody who has experienced this very principle that we're talking about this morning, personally. And uh, if you guys don't know Bobby and I, they are awesome. And we love them so much. Um, I'm so thankful for you guys and for the role that y'all have in our church. Many of you guys know their little girl, Mary. Um, she is precious, good friends with Caroline we love her too but yeah I'm, I'll i let y'all start um, by just kind of helping us know kind of your journey of recovery and really probably the best place to start is to know your, your starting place and where you where you really experience your need so I want you both share okay, okay well uh, we we start out
2: in cellular recovery by saying this is me and this is what I struggle with. So my name is Bobby, and I struggle with a, a long history of, uh, of sexual compulsive behaviors and uh, a bunch of other things, um, <laughs> smaller things along with that. But, um, but you know, uh, so I grew up in a um, uh, in an addictive environment um, as far as uh, my, my family goes. Uh, you know, I won't go into that. It's not them up here telling their stories. Of, um, but uh, because of that, um, uh, I had uh, real issues with uh, um, coping mechanisms. And so um, I would, uh, if anything happened in my home, even at, at a young age, I would, um, I would like, isolate and um, kind of start that behavior of isolating and being alone. Uh, and even though I had friends, I still... Um, I still decided my coping mechanism of anything going on negative in the home was to to kind of isolate me and be on my own. Um, also, uh, as a young child, uh, at, start started at six years old, um, I um, was in church. My family uh, was my mom, and dad were divorced before that, but um, I was was in church and knew knew uh, what it meant uh, for salvation, but. Um, you know, it's you only know so much, you kind of know that Jesus got Bible. So it seems like right after that is when I really started struggling in in, uh, in life and, and in how I would uh, cope with anything uh, negative that I would encounter. Um, I, I encountered like, uh, you know, uh, school bullies, and um, this was I when would, I would isolate from that. I would um, encounter. Uh, you know, just things in the home that are just unrest. And, um, and so I would, I would uh, sort of just kind of go off along. Even though I had brothers and sisters, so I would, you know, I'd play with them and have my um, uh, alone time. Which, uh, you know, it's not like the alone time you were just preaching about where I just went and prayed. So, um, so um, you know, so I, I uh, was, I, I caught uh, some uh, validation seeking through, um, uh, pornography later in my, uh, like early teenage uh, years. And, um, and it was like, uh, I had control over that. Like I, everything around me was out of control, but I had control over, uh, what I was, um, uh, seeing and doing. And, um, and so, um, uh, i had guilt and shame because i was uh, saved um and i was thinking this is not right like i'm going to church and i'm, I'm learning all these things i'm you know I'm reading the bible but i'm still returning to these things and uh, um, so i had a, a real uh a real struggle of okay this is i know this is wrong but i i, I keep going back to it it's um uh, the verse about the dog returning to its bond it was very uh, much uh, a part of my life, um, and so I, I, I would continue to struggle and things, and and I would um, uh, just not find redemption. I would only find remorse after I would do it, um, and so remorse only takes you so far. And then I, I also had controlling nature of I can do um, all these things. I was very capable in sports and. Um, and so I thought, you know, that can carry over into my spiritual life and I also can deal with this on my own away from everybody to where it's, you know, I can hide it, and it's not that big a deal, um, but all it did was fester and, and get much worse. Um, so, um, carrying all the guilt and shame of, of a, uh, a sexual compulsive life as an early teen, uh, um. Really uh, got down on myself and had a lot of uh, uh, a lot of guilt to where it it led me to uh, to shoot myself Uh, and uh, and I thought I was 18 years old and I was in high school and um, I thought you know there's I kept reading the verse of like if your eye causes you to sin gouge it out and you know if your hand causes you to sin you know cut it off. And uh, that just kept recurring. It's, it was almost as if I, you know, uh, just couldn't couldn't handle it anymore on my own. And I, and I couldn't. I couldn't handle it on my own. But of course, that was the wrong direction. Thankfully, uh, God brought me out of the hospital from that, um, and I was able to graduate high school. Um, but I still, I, I still returned to the same behaviors because I was.
1: Still not getting the point that God was trying to tell me. Look,
2: you can't do this on your own, and you're you're still trying to hide this and um, not not seek me and completely surrender to me. And um, so I got uh, in a relationship um, and. Really, I didn't have any relationships before uh, before this, but I got in the first real relationship with a girl. It was um, my, it's Kate's mom. And uh, we were unable yoked, We had a really uh, difficult time, and I had these issues that I'm bringing into the marriage. And so, um, but I uh, relied on her to, okay, this is all over now. I'm starting to... Um, this, uh, this thing is, is just going to go away again. Um, and it did and it, but it turned quickly because I still did not, I, I felt remorse for what I was doing, but I still didn't find redemption. So through that, um, uh, I, I would never uh, say that, that God did not break uh, Kate in this world for a reason. Um, and uh, even though I was in an the of marriage, I was bringing so much uh, sorrow on it. Um, but it ended in divorce, um, you know, I went uh, through that in sorrow and shame and, and, uh, and knowing that I had, uh, you know, still had all the baggage and, and grief and guilt that I carried. Um, and then I met Allie um, after the divorce and I thought, okay. This is it. It's like I I have to change now. I have to give everything over. Well, before I would give ninety percent over. Well, this time I gave like ninety eight percent over, and I thought, you know, she's worth it. This is what's going to save me from from myself. And she uh, supported me in every way. This is, um, so I, I said, God, this is designed to, uh, for us to be together. Um, but I still had this uh, that I was holding on to. I told her uh, almost all of full disclosure, but I, I still had lies and stuff that I would uh, um, return to and try to live on and, um, and just hold to myself because I just really didn't realize how controlling I really was of um, having to have my own Um, environment uh, that I created that um, I could never uh, save myself from. Um, All the while being saved. So I've always had my life given over to Christ, but not my will. Um, So uh, after uh, meeting Allie, uh, again, we went through so many um, trials, uh, but they were so much, uh, they seemed like a lesser blow. Um, like, okay, I'm really trying hard to get rid of this, but I'm still withholding. I'm still giving 97% or 98%. I'm still withholding what I'm completely dealing with, and I can't, I cannot surpass this or, or surmount this.
3: So just to remind for me too, um, I grew up in a cushion home. My father's a pastor, was all my life. Um, I was saved at a young age, and um, I went through my own struggles of sexual sin, um, sex before marriage, um, alcohol, drugs, um, and I um, A marriage that failed and ended in divorce also and all the while also being saved Um, whereas maybe my sins I didn't find as evident Mm -hmm. um, I also completely relied on the fact that I had a salvation experience, that I was raised in the church and that I knew all the Bible stories and that was enough for me that was my relationship with Jesus. And I would have told you all the while, up until um, this tragedy in our marriage, that I had a relationship with Jesus. Um, but I somehow was exempt from a quiet time. Because I knew the word, I knew the stories. I was a worship leader. I knew all the songs. And so... Um, I did not realize how important um, the the daily time of Jesus was, and I would have said up until um, this event in our marriage that my relationship with Bobby was effortless, our love was effortless, and that my relationship with Jesus was effortless. And I would have taken pride in that, and now I can look and see like how unfortunate
0: that was, that it should never be effortless. So, that's our background. Yeah. You've alluded to it a little bit, but at what point in y'all's journey um, did you really find the, the real start, the good stuff mm-hmm. of the start of your process of redemption and recovery? Uh, what, what happened and, and the
3: how do you get to where you are today? So, like Bobby said, he um, gave me full disclosure uh, before our marriage, and so um, I felt like, honestly, kind of like he said, like I was his savior, I was his redeemer from those circumstances. And so, um, I never really thought about him, and until there were some red flags in our relationship that started to mount. And so um, I approached him about everything, and he then gave me true, full disclosure. And uh, I was done. The marriage was over. I had no desire to be his wife anymore. And I told him, uh-huh, you are the reason that this, this is going to end in divorce, and you can be the one to sit down with my father and explain to him why. And I was completely shut at that point. There was no redeeming after that.
2: Um, so uh, you know, I, I, the same uh, issues, the same uh, remorse that I've had before uh, because of all the, um, the actions and and really lies to cover up all these things up, came to a head. And then Ali Thner knows everything. Um, it was like, okay, yeah, I, I literally had no more control whatsoever, not that I ever had it, but I, I really had, uh, no control over what was about to happen. Um, you know, I felt like, you know, I can control consequences because I can sleep all this under the rug, and, but that was all over, and once I finally... Fully disclosed. We went through a really dark time. Um, but in a last ditch effort to uh, save the marriage, I went to uh, my mentor, which is her dad. And I fully disclosed to him. He didn't know either because I, I, I kept it to myself. wouldn't tell anyone. But I talked to Scott and, and told him everything, and he said, he said, "Don't go home yet." Uh, you know, Alex' mom's you know meeting with her. He was so gracious to embrace me as his son, and he showed the God's grace uh, that I I don't know if I could do if someone was dating Kate or Miriam came to me. With the things that I came in with with, um, so after that he uh, he goes and uh, he talks to to Ali, uh, and he
3: could probably yeah. So he came to me and I was you know was so upset and um, I was proud honestly because I had always said you know I would never see a marriage like this and. I was proud that I had this plan that I could lay out to my dad, who's an amazing, godly man, and I knew that he would embrace me and say, "I support you." So I gave him my plan, and he said, "Well, that's that's a plan," <laughs> <laughs> and he said, "But I have another plan. Say, fight." trust Jesus and y'all you know, I
1: was devastated
3: I felt like he didn't support me um, I felt like you know I had this great plan um, but I knew he was a wise man and so I stayed and I fought and I trusted Jesus
0: So, in thinking about uh, what we've talked about today, you can get to the point where we are talking about what we're talking about today. Uh, what does this look like? How has this played on in our uh, lives and in marriage? Uh, you're unique and you are a couple <laughs> and everybody else who has shared has been singles, but yeah. um, can you just speak to kind of the, the realities of relapse and the the priorities of this daily time of God. Some of these things we talked about—just what this is like in my life. So,
2: <clears throat> those are the things that were missing in my life of remorse. The things that you covered this morning of of the principle that I just didn't like. I was running so far whenever I was in remorse from my sin. Rather than running to Jesus and uh, running after him, actually seeking him through the word and through the spirit and through the prayer um, to, to where I was actually replacing any of my old habits. Um, and at this point, it was like, I'm never going to experience redemption in this way again after having experienced it. Uh, that both of us, in our own power, uh, you know, we like we couldn't do we couldn't do uh, continue in this marriage in our own power. So I had to just take that and say, "Okay, you all ready? It's my turn. It's my turn to start start working. So get get to the bottom of your barrel." <laughs> and uh, and so when that when that redemption started setting in, we still had, you know, a stretch of tough seasons, but we said, you know, look, if this is going to work, God's the one that did this. We're growing together okay? because he's He's kept us together. He's the only glue that's holding anything right now. And it led, it, yeah, it led us to uh, to come and start coming to see our. And so we started coming to CR, and you know it was really hard to start uh, sharing in public about what you know what we're dealing with. Um, but we started, and it's like, all right, God, full disclosure. Let's let's just let's do this. And uh, and so that that's what we did. Is uh, not only CR, but it's like, okay, we have to have a pattern of every day surrender. Let's get up in the morning. Let's. Let's do a Bible study together. Let's go to bed at night praying together. Let's wake up in the morning and praying together. And throughout the day, all right, you know, I, I like certain music, but it's going to be Christian music. I have to
0: have some things to replace. <laughs> <laughs> it's Caleb with the I've
1: got some
0: more of this music. I
3: just can't keep it. So we... It, with this step, you know, we've been, we we're at different CR before, CR at ICC now. And with these steps, like Bobby was saying, we've had your no place. So, music is one. Um, what our time looks like is another. We've got boundaries that we didn't have before, we have routines that we didn't have before. Like uh, he was saying, what we have every day uh, with intention. To spend time in the Word. It's not like we're not playing roulette with the Bible, you know, just guessing where God might want us. We are in Bible studies and devotions. We are under really good shepherding and in a church that we love. Um, Bobby puts my rings on me every morning and vows to love me like he did when we got married. Um, so, a lot of nice with
1: things that come from
0: this step of uh, spending time with the Lord. In closing, how would you encourage somebody else who is maybe getting to experience redemption, maybe saved or surrendered in certain areas of life? Um, yeah, well, how would you encourage them, people who are trying to work through how to how to really make this day thing and not
2: just and, and so, uh, I to done for me. So I can easily speak this uh, because I have uh, tried everything, everything in my power for 20 plus years. I have tried on my own, and you're not going to do it on your own. You, you're not going to uh, accomplish anything like they're saying, that they're preaching, the Father is saying, they're Try anything in your own power. You can be successful. You may be successful for years, but it's not going to be enough. It's not the living water that we can drink from that Jesus provides. It's not. Uh, it's not a cutting. Um, as I can speak from experience, that um, the only fountain is is through Christ, through prayer, and through uh, again, replacing you know, just, uh, di- you think about your daily life and the things that you do, you know, you know before you do it, you know uh, where that hatch I can see, uh, temptation in my experience from a mile away, and I need to do something to combat that. And, um, especially at the very beginning of all, uh, all of this, all, all my struggles, I just had to be like Joseph uh, and draw my hope in another way. But now it's like, okay, um, now I can put on the of God that Jesus talks about and um, have the Bible as my sword and use uh, the scriptures and uh, hold them in my heart. And, um, and, and, and it is a statement. It's not that I can just come and uh, surrender my will and be like, okay, that I'm good for, like, It's is not I mean, it's, it has to be daily because I'm still going to have the same struggles to I would also say that, um, like, when we went into
3: this, when, like, everything came to a head of this, I guess, like, I, I could not comprehend Bobby's struggles. I just couldn't. I of them that made no sense to me, and when I reached out and, like, read, you know, about stuff like that, I found that it was such a problem that no one talks about, and, and God revealed to me through the Word and through CR that um, no one talks about their shape. It's not normal. It, it should be, and Jake's Five sixteen. 16, the word says that we should confess our sins to each other and um, that's just not how I grew up and so like the first time I ever heard someone talk about drugs or alcohol or pornography in church I was so mortified, it was so awkward, I was so uncomfortable and so I want to thank you as a pastor uh, and our shepherd for being willing to enter that awkward place because we are called, as believers, to share in our suffering, to admit our sins. And so through this process, you know, I've learned, I have shame and sin that I've tried to hide, and I've put levels on things saying, well, his sin is worse than my sin, so it's like nothing worth discussing. But that is a lie from the devil. And so, to be in a place, get yourself to a place where maybe you need the practical things like seeing that give you steps to go through to find some freedom. Get yourself under some really good shepherding and pastoring and mentoring where someone is speaking truth into your life. But more than any of those things, you have to spend time with the Lord. And the best way to do that is to hear from Him and His Word and to trust that what He's teaching you, that He will give you the strength to apply it and give you the strength to come back moment by moment step by step and day by day to trust in Him.
2: Hold well, on. I don't really want to have any time left, past, but I'm also in
0: So, can,
2: I just want to be to anyone who may be having a similar struggle or anything, that they're trying to fill a hole that only Jesus can fill. And the thing about it is, is if you, if you listen to Satan, he says, uh, when he lies, he doesn't lie in a way that's um, not tempting. He lies in a way that's like, oh, that actually is me. And that's just going to be my concern. That's going to be my opinion for the rest of my life well that's a lot. and there's nothing that God cannot uh, and there's there's a scripture I was just reading this morning that uh, that God is saying that Christ is saying that what is talking about the camel going through the eye of a needle that it says that what is impossible is possible. So know that, and know that you can be redeemed through anything you are struggling with. And that there, and that there are also other people that struggle with the same thing. I'm not talking about everybody but there are people that struggle with certain things. That that's what sober our is for, and that's why we are And even after. You're, you know, I'm not going to get to a place in my life. I, I listen to this lot, also, where I'm just going to in some spiritual place. Um, I have to, every day, take up my cross to like me and doing what he says, Follow, the
0: following. Thank you. a lot of people here relate to you, God, their story, their relationship incredible for us. I know mean, it takes a lot of courage um, to share, but I hope you don't know how much we love you too. And your sharing uh, helps us so much and gives us even more that we really see Jesus in you and your in, in marriage. I just tell you that as your pastor, I, I see you've got the both for saving Jesus. And I really believe uh, your marriage and the testimony of Jesus as well. I'm so thankful. God uh, gave redemption for you both, but also a redemption to your relationship. That'd be here today. Uh, thank you so much. But y'all tell them thank you. <laughs> i got to say, it's pretty cool. Most people know you're worshiping. They think, you know, worshiping is pretty cool. saying, I'm a man who wants to pursue Jesus every day. That's very really good. And I pray for more Lord God that, Thank you, God. Thank you. Let me pray for them. I want to pray for all of you as well, that we will be serious and sincere about seeking Jesus in the ways that we need to in this daily fight of faith. Father, we thank you for this day of worship that we have and uh, how we just heard your gospel today personal and very practical nature of your gospel for us to me. Thank you, Jesus, for your redeeming love and grace and work in our lives. We have nothing apart from you, and we thank you that you have given yourself for us. All of our hope is in you, Jesus. It's not in ourselves, but so what we do for you is with You've done for us, that's who you are for us, right now this moment. And we just look away from ourselves and look to you, Jesus. You are our, in our life. Thank you for Bobby and Ollie, a man, a woman, a couple, of parents who are pursuing you, Jesus. Thank you uh, just for their story of redemption. Thank you for meeting them and bringing them to a place where uh, they were so empty of themselves that they are ready to really receive you. Holy Spirit, how you are present with the work you them, holding them by your grace, allowing them to be a living sacrifice for you, Jesus, a living testimony of your daily love. God, I just pray for them that they would continue to fight that daily fight of faith, that they would continue to guard through the closet that's entrusted to them. Lord, you would protect them from evil adopt to temptation, and Lord, help them daily to continue to seek with their heart and to live with their heart. God, I pray for each and every one of us here today. All of us need this reminder. God, that our pursuit of you is a daily, daily invitation. And Lord, every day, we need
1: to take up our cross and follow it. To Jesus, you that you would lead us not into
0: temptation, but deliver us from them. And Lord, we pray that we can be people who fight for faith, moment by moment, day by day. Lord, we would just cling to your cross, that we would journey for the satisfaction and comfort only of Jesus, that we would experience the dwelling presence of your Holy Spirit, the Lord, our vows will be a living testimony to your glorious grace. We thank you. We praise you, Jesus.